Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We are live on OutKick 360 here in our 6th and Peabody broadcast studios downtown Nashville with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Paul Kuharski is here. Jonathan Hutton, well-deserved couple of days off here on the show. The entire crew is here with us today as well, including the chairman of the board, David Reed. Paul, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing? How'd the, you get that mow in before I the got the mow in. Uh, I got the mow in before the big storm last night. <clears throat> got the weed eating done this morning. We're all set. Did you have tornadic activity in Mount Julian? No tornadic activity. Uh, thank goodness. So. We had some serious, serious winds. I know people love the weather up no there power at the beginning outage. of the show. Yeah. Um, our TV, uh, our cable box flickered on and off, so we had a, a good while where we couldn't get the TV on, which Simon created a panic as he was uh, in the closet. Everybody's in the closet. I, I was out, out of the closet, not, not ready to go in. Um, but there were some serious, serious winds. This barn I talk about that's near our house, uh, over near Ravenwood High School in, uh, in the Brentwood area of Tennessee, um, that's kind of a, a pretty old barn that's being redone. That's kind of a landmark thing that my family and I have grown to have great affection for. Um, did not come out of it well. The roof uh, more torn up. Um, so there was some significant stuff going on. We got, um, so when the storms came through, it was south of Nashville, south where you were, where the, the bad storms hit. And uh, my wife, Angie, the whole time, she would, we were doing stuff with the kids. And coming out, I'm watching the news. Like, I'm watching the local news, and I'm completely calm because I see everything is south. This is as it's going through, and I keep getting this kind of, well, are you going to do something? Or are you gonna, and I'm like, I'm looking at the forecast, the radar. You're not looking at it right now. We're fine. I promise. We're fine. Completely calm the whole time. same conversation. Daughter got a little bit nervous. The six-year-old was like, we watched Wizard of Oz recently. She also informed me, don't ever mention Wizard of Oz at night. She can only talk about it during the day. At night, it scares her. Uh, But during the day, it's fine to mention Wizard of Oz, but never at night, she told me. That's a great regulation. Because I said, I was joking with her in Landon, and I said, you know, we're going to get caught up. She calls it the cyclone. We're going to get caught up in the cyclone in Landon, Oz, but at least I'll be with you. She said, do not mention Oz at night ever again. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, like, it is a pretty freaky movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Even as a kid, I knew that something was up. And I watch it now, and I'm thinking, are you okay? thing for me somehow. Did they always show Wizard of Oz? Yeah, it's, it's always a once a year type thing. They would show it on television. That movie scared me. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and then you hear all the weird stuff about the production, and it gets even stranger. But I remember watching the old, the original, what, 1937, 1939 version yeah, of Wizard of that's Oz. That's the one. And, Witch of the well, West. see, she so Evie has seen like the Tom and Jerry version of it, the cartoon. And she's seen, they did a production of Oz with her middle school uh, at school she went and saw. She'd never seen the original, so we started watching the original, and I'm just studying her face, and I'm thinking, are you scared yet? Because I feel like this should scare you. And the whole time, wasn't scared. Wicked Witch comes in. That would be very scary. Doesn't scare. 
But then I find out weeks later, don't ever mention Oz at night. Only during the day can we talk about Oz. So that, that was a rule. That's good. I had that with Simon. Uh, like I laid in bed with him a little bit last night uh, before he went to bed. And he was like, how are you so calm during that? And I'm like, I'm watching the TV. I'm showing you that it's south of us, like you said. The wind was bad early, but I know there's nothing to panic about. And he's like, well, how, do you, how are you so sure? And I'm like, and, and what if something happened? And I said, well, if something happened, then we would have something to deal with. But I'm confident nothing's going to happen. Well, and I, I wish you could see that yeah. in me and take something from it. Well, you know, and Angie's running around uh, taking stuff out of the closet <laughs> and getting ready. And that's fine, but I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm following Nashville severe weather. I'm watching the news. I'm saying everything is south. See this line of storms? This is well south of where we are. And I'm looking at it the whole time. I mean, it's loud outside. You hear the thunder, the wind's blowing for a short time. But when the storm passed, it was, it was fine. I so, know, Chad, though, in, no his, in his head, I can see in his eyes, you're telling me nothing's going to happen, but you told me no one would ever come into our house. Yeah, that's the and tough And that one. dude came into our house. And so I want to trust you. But you, you lost me on this naked guy coming into our house. And I, and I feel that, and I want every time something like this I got a laugh happens, from Jacob Swanson. Every time I have a conversation with him like that, I want to go strangle that dude. Maybe you should go. I want to go tell that dude, you are probably living large right now. I want you to know, down the street and around the corner, there's a 12-year-old who's four or five years removed from this who won't trust me that a tornado's not coming into our house because of you. Paul, I think that maybe the approach you should take with young Simon, considering the, the naked intruder that came into your house that, that scarred him, is instead of saying this won't happen, give him like the worst scenario. No, but like, just say, like, okay, if a storm hits, then what's going to happen is I'm going to come in, get you, we're going to go downstairs quickly, we're going to get in a closet, and even if we lost our house, uh, we have insurance, no. we'll get a, a nicer house, it's going to be fine. You know, the, the, it's not going to take all of us idea. with it. Like, just go with the – because I feel like, you know, he's wise to the world now he because he's seen this. So instead of just saying, oh, it, but because Daddy said it's not going to happen, go with the here's the worst that will happen. I try to do this sometimes even with Abby. Like, okay, the worst thing that will happen is you get hit with this ball and you get a bad bruise or, or you get hit in the face and it's going to bleed. But that's very rare that it happens. It's not going to mess anything up permanently. Just be honest with, this is probably the worst thing that would happen. Here's a question for you. We have some roof damage. That's a good idea. You know? And you're downstairs for a while. It's a good, that's maybe not a bad idea. Reed, here's a question for you. Teresa finds a a small shingle in the yard. We have no idea if that shingle's from our house. It could be from anywhere in the neighborhood based on the wind blowing. But I have to have a roof guy out now, right? No, not necessarily. No, I, I would. If it's I mean, in, if it's in anything. if it's in your yard, it's probably from someone else's house. A shingle off of your house would be in someone else's, else's yard. yard. So if it was if it was from if it was in somebody else's yard, I'd have no idea about yes. it. Yes, and it this being in my yard, I have a high probability it's not mine. So either way, I would not know. Is it the same type until of something shingle, started linking? Same color shingle. They're yours? all roughly the same in my neighborhood. I just got very distracted because the biggest bachelorette party in history, in history. just rolled by on a party bus. And I'm not kidding. It's just it, by sheer volume, it surprised me. There were maybe 50 young ladies on the top of this bus. And with that, we I've go never to break. Seen we, that, we need to go see if this I've is never safe. seen that. Dylan, please, go check this out. Or a production assistant, Adam. But I think they're coming around the corner right now. Biggest bachelorette party I've I ever seen. It. So, uh, David, what do you do if you're me? 
I don't wait till the water pours through yeah. my, uh, my water finds roof. a way. It'll let you know if there's a leak on your roof somewhere. Okay. Do you want me to come investigate, Paul? Is that what you're getting it's at? It's a very steep roof. I don't know. Yeah, if... no, I know. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. It'll you cost have a you. Harness? I, I well, it'll used cost to have me with anybody. Yes. What's your rate? Uh, twelve hundred bucks. No, I love that we go to David Reed for roofing. It's a thousand, yeah, just thousand, automatically. No, he's an insurance adjuster. Well, yeah, thousand you auto, auto insurance adjuster. I mean, I would no, go I to Reed for this. Too. I was a fire investigator. Yeah. Well, there are certain things you know to go to someone with for advice, but Reed is very much a catch-all. I got to call Kirby Anything, next. Roofing. Uh, something's wrong with your transmission. We probably asked Reed about it. You know, it, certainly about uh, sweets. And other foods, fatty foods, oh, yeah. sweet I, foods. I don't know why you would automatically go to me anytime pulls food up is some uh, Banana twins. Uh, I do have a suggestion. Ryan Albany's on our staff. He's a drone pilot. He could take his drone up to see if there's any missing shingles off your roof. That sounds like a time investment for Do you Ryan call Albany's. a dr- person Thank who you operates for a, him. Is it a drone pilot? <laughs> drone operator. Is that a, or is it a drone know, I'm going with pilot. Pilot. I mean, pilot sounds, sounds cool. Sounds yeah. better. If yeah. I were Albany's, I'd definitely go lean towards being a yeah. drone pilot. Then when he sees kids your your kids' age, it gives them a little pair of wings. Yeah. Can I <laughs> can I take my kids up into the cockpit? It's just Albany's outside. Can can they come into your cockpit, please, sir? Um, there's no good fun segue time. for this, Paul. No, but um, that was a fun start. Okay, I'll, I'll guess I'll say it this this way. I have a six year old daughter and a young girl, probably five six years older than that got hit by a mouthpiece last night by Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets because he got ejected in the game, the play-in game uh, against the Hawks. Um, I have been out on NBA all regular season. I jump in for the playoffs. I have jumped in for the play-in games, and I've watched a good bit of these games. And I will say, it has delivered on back-to-back nights. We had a woman who tried to glue herself to the floor. <laughs> this is not the basketball to protest that you're about. to protest chickens being killed because of bird flu. And last night we had Miles Bridges. First off, if when you watch the video, the best part of the video is the fan doing the two-hand bye-bye. You know, you wave the guy getting ejected. And he's doing it towards the camera. This it looks is a like, yap that you're and doing. Not That's him. not a bye-bye. Well, it was, a bye-bye but, is more. But of this a, is what the guy was doing. It's a very awkward two-handed kind of. So it's a yap bye-bye. Yap, yap, bye-bye. And he's looking at the camera. And then Miles Bridges quickly chucks his mouthpiece, goes past him, hits the young girl, and then the dude is calling for the technical. <laughs> he's looking back at the ref, calling for the technical. I'm like, well, he's already been teed up twice and ejected. Yeah. You can't get you another technical at that game. point. Uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, how did she react? I, I have not seen the video. No, it's it's. How did she react? She didn't react at all in the video. Like it just it hits her arm and falls down. I don't think she knew what hit her. She's looking forward. He's going through the tunnel, going out. So she's looking ahead. He's kind of to her side, going back to the locker room and throws it so fast it hits her arm. She didn't really now, react. Was at all. this a? Uh, there are two ways for the mouthpiece to come out. It comes out relatively dry, or it comes out with the dangling spittle. Was this a relatively dry I cannot believe you've not seen this, by the way. Mouthpiece? This is unbelievable video. Relatively dry mouthpiece? No, it's a big mouthpiece. Uh, I'm sh- it's wet, I'm sure, when it comes out there. I-, I didn't get a chance to feel it, so I don't know. No, but you can see. Well, what's, what's the proper – we discussed this before the show, David Reed and I. What's the proper retaliation? Reed says he would almost want to instigate something with him so he could sue at that point. I think my knee-jerk reaction would be to pick up the mouthpiece and throw it right back at him, like a food fight just started. If, if an NBA player chucked a mouthpiece at me, I'd probably pick it up and then throw it back at them. Yeah, so she doesn't even know it's coming. No, as I just said, yeah. she didn't realize at all. 
No, because he was trying to hit the dude that's 18 inches in front of him instead yeah, of a little eight. girl. He's three in the right away. sport. He's in the right sport. He shouldn't be a baseball player. Um, what is the right reaction here? I mean, I, I, I would, you know, hold the press conference, demand season tickets. Well, Miles threat, Bridges. Threaten the lawsuit that I would never intend to follow through on and collect season tickets, all kinds of merch, uh, you know, milk them for everything I could. Sweet. Miles Bridges is going to do – he's going to go over the top in apologizing. He actually tweeted like 10 or 15 minutes after this happened when the video was posted. He tweeted from the locker room. This is unacceptable. Please, someone put me in touch with this young lady. Well, I, I Talking think, about himself. I think the young lady deserves a lot, but I think the dude deserves a lot also. He was, you got to get the, the person you hit and the target. I don't so think, I think they bo- I think he's got to make a play to get some stuff as well. If the Hawks go on to win their way into the playoffs, they should honor that guy in some way. Motivational. During the, the, their first home game in the playoffs. I think that's what that guy should get. I don't know that Miles Bridges will give him anything. Now, to Miles Bridges' credit, I know this is going to not come to the delight of Dan Dockich, who hates everything Michigan State, including him. But to his credit, he owned it. I mean, after the game, he did everything you could that you would want a guy to say. He's like, look, I lost my cool. It's not like me. Um, it was unacceptable. I apologize to everyone. I'm going to find the young lady, and I want to call her personally and apologize, and I'm probably going to give her something try to come up with something cool for her and said, you know, I let my emotions get the best of me in a heated moment and lost my cool. Now he got ejected. You can't ask for better than that. Well, he got ejected because he argued there was a foul, sort of a continuation foul by one of his teammates. And he went up and blocked the shot after the shot went up and they called a goaltend. So it was an and one. They're down 30. You know, at this point, the game was over and he flew off the hand. That was what put him over the top. And that's when he got ejected. Yeah. He, arguing I mean, call. You can't ask for better. That's what you want a guy to say when he flies off the handle and does something. And, look, throwing a mouthpiece is is not a good look, but it's not a, a felony offense either. Um, so I, I, I would think everything can be patched up um, and, and she'll be treated like a, a queen here and everything should be cool. Um, NBA playoffs, they've got me hooked, though, right now. But you, you got a protester on, gluing uh, herself to the floor. You got this. I want, neither I of those are basketball, you, no. you realize. The games have not been great. The one, the one really good game I saw in atmosphere was Minnesota's come. It wasn't really a comeback. They're like seven or eight. But where they went on a big run in the fourth quarter uh, to beat the Clippers the other night, that was a great game, fourth quarter environment yeah. with that one. It wasn't a great finish. But that was the one that no, the but fourth they played really. They played really well, and as an underdog, right? Yeah. Um, that that was the best of the lot. I do like the the format here, where the loser of that game gets a second bite at the apple. Um, yeah, the seven, but, the, the one, yeah, playing for that for the eight. Yeah, right. It's it's well constructed. And then the, the teams that uh, and they call it a play, and they don't call it playoffs. And that's the other what teams I like get more than anything rest. else. Get, get rewarded with a little bit of extra rest. I, I respect the way it's created, and uh, there's real incentive not to be in these games, which uh, is what they, which, what they want, right? You don't want you settling for seven or eight um, late in the playoffs, uh, late in the regular season. They want to incentivize you playing well later. Yeah. I think it's effective. Well, we're going to get into a headline a little bit later about the Cleveland Cavs and how they may be incentivized to lose in their next game to not go to the playoffs. So we'll talk a little bit about that 
NFL headline of the day. This came down about 45 minutes to an hour ago. Sammy Watkins signs a one-year deal with the Packers worth $4 million. Paul, there's some of that receiver help that we knew the Packers wanted, what they needed. And Sammy Watkins, still only 28 years old. Feels like the guy's been around for 15, 16 yeah, years. 28 does. years old, and Sammy Watkins headed to the pack. I, I mean, it's a good move. They need numbers, and they need bodies. I, my, my theme here, and I'm you know down on Aaron Rodgers, is he's not going to be around for the offseason. And, uh, you know, is Sammy Watkins getting on a plane sometime soon and going to hang out with Aaron Rodgers yes. and, and throw with him? If Aaron Rodgers invites him, yes. That's yeah, absolutely well, Aaron Rodgers do. needs to be inviting. I mean, Logan Woodside's doing more with Titans receivers so far than we know about Aaron Rodgers doing with his receivers. What's Ryan and, Tannehill doing with Titans receivers? Uh, he's doing something with Des Fitzpatrick, at least. Des Fitzpatrick and, and, and somebody else. Um, why, why not the receivers who play? I, I don't know. It's lo- logistics and stuff. That would be a question I'd have for the Titans. Why is your backup quarterback doing work with the actual receivers? Well, I think they're here. But I'm not as concerned with that because Ryan Tannehill has, uh, has chemistry with those guys. And if they intend to be in Nashville during OTAs and stuff, they'll get their work in together. I'm concerned with the quarterback with new guys um, and with a lot of new guys. I'm concerned with Ryan Tannehill and Robert Woods. But I, uh, Robert Woods is recovering from an ACL right now, and he's not able to run routes. So um, my, my expectation for Rodgers is if, if in the first couple weeks he's having trouble with rookie receivers and he didn't spend as much time with them as he could, I think that'll be a fair call out. We'll talk to Armando about that later. I bet you he's on, on the on Yeah, the same I, I want to ask Armando that. about it. I, I, I reserve any judgment on that until I see what they do this offseason. If he doesn't have receivers or new play, like a Sammy Watkins out to work out somewhere – then yeah, I mean, that, that could be a factor early on in the season. Uh, I, I would think that Aaron Rodgers would at least give the opportunity to do whatever he's doing to work out. He would invite some of those receivers on. So we'll, we'll definitely ask Armando about that. We got a lot of questions for Bobby Carpenter, outkick college football analyst. We're going to talk about Dwayne Haskins with Bobby Carpenter also, a guy he knew, a fellow Ohio State Buckeye. We'll talk about the Dwayne Haskins tragedy and some college football headlines with our very own Bobby Carpenter next. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back, OutKick 360. Chad Withrow, Paul Koharski with you on this Thursday. Live from our 6th and Peabody Studios in downtown Nashville with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. It's a festive day. Beautiful day in Nashville, Tennessee. Bachelorette parties everywhere at 6th and Peabody. Baseball and, and, games and canceled. just random dudes also. You know, I don't want to just say it's just, just one group here. And yet, kids can't play baseball. Yeah. It's been tough for you this week. For, yeah, four no, games this no week. No softball two schedule for me this week, so it's been nothing with all this rain. <laughs> not, not one blip on the radar. We're going to be joined by Bobby Carpenter coming up here very soon once we connect with him. Um, Paul, something we hit on a little bit yesterday but didn't have a lot of time to discuss Clayton Kershaw gets pulled from the game with a no, uh, sorry, a perfect game going after seven innings, Dodgers versus Twins yesterday. And post game, he's completely fine with it. 
says it's not about personal accomplishment here. It's about winning games in the long run. We'll talk more about this coming up, but Bobby getting word that he is with us right Good now. Deal. So we're joined by OutKick college football analyst Bobby Carpenter. Bobby, how are things up in Ohio right now? Hey, guys. The sun is shining, so it's, it's nice. It's beautiful. It's warm. So this is about as good a day as you're going to get in central Ohio. It's same here. Are you teaching your class today? I am not. That's a Monday, Wednesday thing. And so, okay. you know, I tell them Wednesday night, first day of the weekend, go out, enjoy it, you know, have fun. Once you get older, you actually have to work a full five days and can't go out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Gentleman, scholar, athlete, Bobby Carpenter joining us now. Professor, Professor Carpenter as well. Uh, Bobby, I want to ask you about Dwayne Haskins. Terrible tragedy uh, over the weekend. Um, it's sad that the coverage and the tweet by Adam Schefter almost became the story more than the loss of life with such a young guy in Dwayne Haskins. But I want to get your thoughts on everything with this because you knew Dwayne. You're both Ohio State guys. Uh, had a great career there at, at Ohio State. Uh, what did you think about everything that went, on, went around this story over the weekend and, and your first thoughts when you heard the awful news? You know, I heard some people, I got some calls early on Saturday morning and just kind of asking questions, people in the national media, there could be heard anything. And, you know, frankly, at Friday night, I was kind of out of pocket. I was at, you know, my brother played for Frank Solich at Ohio University, had a big retirement for him. And so kind of out late, up early in the morning, getting the kids off their sports stuff. So I started making some calls and, uh, you know, it was surprising to hear, you know, ultimately that it was true, but the, there's just so few details about it. And, and there's still very few details that have really been released. I'm kind of curious to see, you know, how ultimately it happened. You know, getting hit by a car is incredibly tragic. And so, you know, the, the stuff with Schefter that came out and then the Gil Brandt audio later that day, which you know, I always give people the benefit of the doubt, usually when I read something that has been spoken, to try to hear the tone and context. But that's one of the few times where I actually heard the tone of it and it sounded worse than it did when I actually read it. So, you know, when someone dies, you know, unless there's like a lot of things they've done in their life, you know, that you could say subsequently led to their untimely demise. Like I, I'm a, we can talk about that, but you probably, at least in my mind, I, I want to push those things away. And I don't, I don't care, you know, what type of athlete person, whatever it might be like, well, let's focus on the tragedy here that someone under 25 years old, you know, passed away. And it's, it's a very difficult situation. You know, he had his whole life in front of him and was, you know, just recently married. So there's a lot of people that are ultimately grieving with that. Um, you know, the details coming out, being out of the car, walking along, you know, the access highway of 595, you know, there's just other things that are swirling around and I haven't really been able to get a grip on it yet. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, they're going to be resuming their, you know, off season program. So I'm sure when that happens, you know, there'll be more of a fleet, free flow of information with some guys, you know, I've been trying to reach out to kind of figure that out, but I'm guessing next week that stuff will start to you know, slowly leak out, but it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, the, the guy obviously that struggled in his NFL career, but I, I hope that, you know, that when Tom Brady, if he passed away, the, the headline isn't going to be, be, you know, seven times Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady, you know, it's, it's how he passed away, how ultimately something happened as opposed to your on-field accomplish, accomplishments, you know, when it's something that's so sudden and tragic like that. Well, and I think that, you know, with Tom Brady, it probably will be the headline, you know, at some point at the bottom of it, seven-time Super Bowl champion in there. Um, it's the – when you put in there the struggle to make it in the NFL, you know, it'd be one thing to say Dwayne Haskins, former Ohio State Buckeye, current Pittsburgh Steeler, dead at 24 years old, and just give the story, 
right? It's the when you interject the he struggled to make it in the NFL. That that's what people had the problem with, not necessarily identifying him uh, as a football player. Bobby, I know you played in the NFL. You played. I've seen a lot of former players get worked up about. Well, he's a man, not a football player. Well, we know him though. Obviously, he's a man, a person, but we know him because of football. But the issue is, why point out something negative in the midst of, of such tragedy? And look, Adam Schefter got hit hard over all this. He apologized a couple days later. What did you make of the apology? Was that was that good enough for you with what he did with the, the uh, tribute to Dwayne Haskins, or would you want more? I, I'm not. I, I I don't like to condemn people, and you know, having a chance to kind of have worked with Adam in the past. I, I don't find Adam to be a particularly vile human being. I, I think he honestly probably made a mistake. And I, I guarantee you, and I didn't listen to his apology, um, but just kind of being around him from, you know, through the years, understanding like he, his thing was probably, I was trying to give it some sports context because I'm a sports reporter. I'm like, all right. And like you said, the former Ohio State Buckeye, former first rounder, current Pittsburgh Steeler, like, just just stick to the facts because when you say struggled in the NFL, then you're getting the you know you know a, a subjective um, evaluation. And yeah, it, this was his career. What you would have wanted out of a quarterback that you'd taken in the first round? No, not to this point. But the subjectivity of it, I think that that's where people get upset. Is that you're you're inserting some your your opinion about what he did, and it's a negative opinion. Mm-hmm. And I would I have no problem with this. Whereas if there was something in his past, and you know, you get to the Gil Brand stuff as well, and Adam, like, if he would have, hey, you know, had some sort of substance abuse issue or something else like this, or had, you know, a history of different things that ultimately you could have said, hey, you know, there were some things that he has done that ultimately led to this point, and it's well documented. Then I think, okay, then there might be a time and a place for that. But just with everything, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, just, you just stick to the facts and always think about, hey, <laughs> at least I look at it like this. If that were me, and you know, and it's, something that passed away, like, how would you want someone to write it about you? You know, I mean, how would you ultimately want to be viewed after your death, and what would you want your family members and friends to see? And so, I, in, in the media, you know what? There, he's more than a man. You know, he is a football player, and so that's that's a big part of it. And that's why we know him, and that's why you know a lot of people ultimately cared a lot about him and cared a lot about his life, and then ultimately his passing. But you know. I, I'm a big believer in like just stick to the facts and make sure that that's kind of what someone you would want someone to say about you. When you look back at the, his giant year at Ohio State, what what uh, what are the biggest memories that that come to mind about the legacy he left behind there? It, it's really truly amazing what a guy did in just one year as a starter. When you look at the legacy that he left, um, you know, you think about this. He, he comes in, he comes in in 2017. You know, as a as a guy who had never really played a snap, he started the season as a backup, wasn't promoted until Joe Burrow broke his hand in practice. And he has to go in against Michigan and comes in on a third and 10 in a situation where they got to drive the football now. They got to go get some points. And he delivers a money shot, like right in between the safety and the corner, you know, on a third down, picks up the first down. I think he goes seven for eight in the game. And you're like, wow, it's kid's got it like he's he's got whatever it takes inside to come there in a very difficult situation you know joe burrow ultimately leaves you look at what happened at florida or at uh, lsu with him and all the success that he ultimately had and has had in cincinnati as well you know he go Dwayne goes on to have an unbelievable single season at ohio state and i would argue that his one season as a quarterback with how he played was as impactful as drew Brees and what he did for the big 10 20 years prior 
No, he basically reset all of Ohio State's passing records through 50 touchdowns. And Ryan Day, if you remember, you know, started the season as the interim head coach because of Urban Meyer's suspension. So you know, he has that success. Ryan Day probably doesn't get the job if he doesn't play as well as he ultimately does. With that, then he leaves. Justin Fields transfers in from Florida. He wouldn't have come there without that type of success and without Dwayne leaving. And that's you know kind of set the stage then for C.J. Stroud and you know, Ryan Day to get the job and kind of get that whole ball rolling. And so as you sit there and look at it, I mean, yeah, the guy played one year, but the tentacles that he touched, and this is you know, the, the domino effect of the one decision that one guy makes to stay or go, and you know another guy leaves, and all of a sudden, all these things kind of fall into place and work work pretty well for a lot of different people. And so, the legacy that he leaves, I mean, to me, it's Ryan Day is at Ohio State still because of him, and you know ultimately, I think he changed what that Ohio State offense was, which it was the power spread running quarterback that Urban had run at Ohio State to that point with JT Barrett and a lot of it Florida with Tim Tebow. And now all of a sudden it's this aired out NFL style passing game with Ryan Day. And you could argue that Dwayne Haskins is the main reason that happened. Bobby, it's never too early to talk NFL draft. And of course, I'm talking 2023 NFL draft, not this one coming <laughs> up, but next year. Let's stay there in Columbus. CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young is going to be the quarterback debate going into this college football season from an NFL perspective. First mock draft I searched for next year, C.J. Stroud going number one, Bryce Young going number two. Next mock draft I searched, Bryce Young going one, C.J. Stroud going two. What do you think about C.J. Stroud, the, the NFL possibilities? Him? He's a bigger guy than Bryce Young, so he does have that going for him. And what have, also have you seen from Bryce Young so far at this point as you start to project out what they could be at the next level? I mean, my goodness, like the fact it's like we're studying for the next test without even taking the test that we got. We got to go. We got to go, Bobby. We're one step ahead at all times here at OutKick. We're we're next level. We're we're playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. 3D chess. I got you, man. You got 3D chess. You guys are the smartest guys in the room, man. It's fantastic. (laughs) So, you know, as we look at this, there's kind of two buckets. And a little bit, it's going to be your quarterback preference where there's CJ Stroud a little bit bigger. It throws both of these guys throw really pretty balls. I don't think arm strength and accuracy is going to be a question. Um, the fact that they're both two-year starters that helps eliminate any type of maturity issues. Bill Parcells was huge on the fact that he didn't want to draft a guy who is a one-year starter because it's one thing to go in and have a great year when no one knows about you. It's another thing to handle an entire offseason as a leader and then ultimately have everybody gunning for you the next year and the weight of all of those expectations on you, it makes it a lot more difficult. So both of those guys have that going for them. You know, Bryce Young, not quite as big, phenomenal athlete. You watch the guy pull the football down and run with it. You're like, my goodness, you don't run much, but when you do, I mean, you can torch people. And you saw him do that late in the year, obviously when things started getting nicked up and you saw it in the SEC championship game. And then, you know, as you look at C.J. Stroud, doesn't necessarily run as much, decent athlete. Decent athlete, not great. He's a little bit bigger. Um, you know, and I've never personally met Bryce Young. Both guys are, are very respectful. Like, it sounds like they command a room for the most part when you talk to them. Um, I don't know if they either one has the most demonstrative personality, uh, but I'm going to, you got to see a little bit more. And it's going to really depend as well. You know, who's picking at the top? I mean, do you, do you want a quarterback that can run? Do you need that for your offense? If you do, then Bryce Young is ultimately going to be your guy. Because Dwayne can run, but he's not near as gifted as an athlete as uh, as Bryce is. But 
or uh, CJ can run, but he's not near as gifted, obviously, as, as Bryce is. But if you look at you know the other side of it, maybe maybe CJ throws a better ball, but you know that's so subjective at this point that you know I, you got to see another year of film before you could clearly state anything on that. Not I, I don't even know if you will. I do know this that every team that needs a quarterback this year wishes those two guys were available in the draft as opposed to the current crop that they have. You've talked a little bit this week about Notre Dame's pace of adaptation or change, how it was a factor for Brian Kelly moving on and everything. What do you think about the state of Notre Dame and its willingness to maybe accelerate some of those things? So here's the thing, gentlemen, Notre Dame, they're, they're in a really good spot right now with where they're at. You know, and I, I think Brian Kelly left because he wanted to win a national championship. And let's, let's be honest, in the LSU, they've won two national championships in the last you know, 10, 12 years with two coaches that I don't think anybody's putting on the pantheon of greatness. You know, Nick Saban won one, but if you look back, you know, Les, Les Miles and Ed Orgeron, no one's confusing those guys, you know, with Vince Lombardi and Don Shula. So they were able to get it done. So that speaks to the talent and the player-centered focus that some of these schools have. And you look at Florida, you know, what they just did, you know, you hire a new coach. What do you do? You give him all of the resources and skills. Go take a second and just pull up Florida's uh, staff roster and see all the different guys and people they have in there. Their support staff is like 30 people. I mean, it is insanity, all the resources they have. And so if you look at Notre Dame, they've just always run more of a traditional model. I think, you know, all of their students, including student athletes, stay in dorms for four years. I took a visit up there. I'm like, that sounds terrible. And that was back in 2002. And I believe that's still the case today. You, know, you go to their facility, like, yeah, they upgraded it. It's nicer, but it's not as nice as it's a Bama's, you know, a Tennessee, an LSU, heck, in Nebraska, Ohio State, you know, Penn State. Like, they're not, they're not making it so like it's a one-stop shop where guys come in, you know, they can get great elite treatment. They have, you know, tons of uh, – uh, medical guys on staff, everything you need. You get food there. You can study there. Like you, you don't have to leave unless you're going to class or you're going home. And that's that's the way it is. It's almost like an NFL model. And you've seen a lot of these other elite schools do this. And Notre Dame has always kind of been, well, hey, we're Notre Dame, and people are going to come here because of who we are and the education, all this stuff. And you know, th- there's a, some truth to that. But your players want to be put in the best position to have success. And the fact that like. They don't have a kitchen inside of their facility. Like that, that's a big deal. And you know, people laugh like, okay, well, LSU, you can go get gumbo at 1130 at night. Well, if I'm a college kid, like I want to be able to go get a burger, go get food. I watched Ohio State. They make all this food for the guys. They have different carryout meals, whatever they want. It's always available. Like I don't want to have to go somewhere else to go do it. It, just, it comes down to the ease of your life of how you want it to be run. And Notre Dame has just been so slow to be able to adapt. And, you know, you look at a lot of these schools, whether it's Bama, you know, Ohio State, Texas, you know, there's a ton of great schools that have great historic traditions, you know, but you can, you can modernize those traditions. You can buy a 57 Chevy, you know, and keep that thing looking nice, but make sure that the radio has got a Bluetooth and can hook up to your phone and do all those other things. And that's what a lot of those other schools have done where I feel like Notre Dame They've they hold on to the past so much that they become a prisoner to it, and in doing so, we see them get to the top of the heap of, we'll say the non-elite schools, whether that's four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever it might be, and that's why when you see them get in the playoff, 
they're just not quite there because they don't have the volume or maybe the caliber of players. They definitely don't have the, the elite corners. Like they've had one corner taken in the top three rounds in the last decade. And you have to have elite corners to be able to play with how the passing game is in college football. And so they've just been so slow to modernize and adapt. And, you know, Schwarbeck, their AD, like they've got to get through the times. And I don't know if this is coming from the diocese or, or how that all works. But Notre Dame has it. They're detached from their expectations to their actual effort and commitment of what they want to do. They say they want to do it, but I don't think that they're really fully invested the way that a lot of the other programs are. Much like Notre Dame, Bobby Carpenter holds on to the past while being equipped for the future as well. Bobby Carpenter has been our guest at BCARP3 on Twitter. He's a football analyst for OutKick. Bobby, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Hey, hey gentlemen, happy Easter. Enjoy the weekend. And, you know, maybe one day Hutton will come back to work. Same to you. Yes, we got to get Hutton working again. That, that's one thing that guy doesn't do enough of is work. That's for sure. Um, a kid, of course. Something that's not a kidding matter is uh, a development with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals that dropped about four or five minutes ago. We'll discuss that. Also, to lose or not to lose? That is the question for one NBA team in a play-in game this Friday. We'll explain when we return. This is OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Paul Koharski alongside... Cast of thousands making the show happen each and every day live from the 6th and Peabody studio downtown Nashville. We got Armando Salguero coming up in the next hour. We'll certainly ask him about this story coming down from Tom Pelissero here in the last 20 minutes or so. Cardinals have yet to make a contract offer to Pro Bowl quarterback Kyler Murray, whose agent Eric Burkhart informed the team weeks ago he was pulling his opening proposal off the table. This is per sources. Other teams are monitoring closely. Arizona insists Murray won't be traded. Pelissero goes on to say four quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, and Derek Carr have signed contract extensions worth $40 million or more in the past month as the market continues to go up. Kyler Murray is due about $5.5 million in 2022, and it'd be a surprise if he plays on that deal. Who are those quarterbacks? List that quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun older, Watson, older, Matthew Stafford, older, Derek Carr, older. Listen, here's the problem with those comparisons, and here's the problem with any panic about Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's going into his fourth year. Um, I'm sure they're executing his fifth-year option. They have team control of him for two more years. There's no context for Kyler Murray as a quarterback drafted in 2019 because the rest of the 2019 quarterback class sucked. Daniel Jones, no verdict on him yet. Dwayne Haskins, rest his soul, wasn't, hadn't panned out. Drew Locke, Will Greer, Ryan Finley, Jarrett Stidham, Easton Stick, Clayton Thorson, Gardner Minshew is the second best guy in the group right now. And he's on a second team. So there's nobody to say, oh, he's ahead of, of, of Kyler Murray. 
Nobody's ahead of Kyler Murray from his class. There is nobody else in his class who's done anything. But I don't know that there's got to be some banging, ticking clock. And even if he were to get his extension this year, I don't know it has to come in the spring. It could come in the summer or before the season. But oftentimes a guy would play his fourth season, get the extension before his fifth-year option. And he's got a fifth-year option plus a six-year franchise tag conceivably under control. So the Cardinals don't have to be in a huge hurry here. And Kyler Murray has some stuff to prove still in terms of, of being a better player. As does Cliff Kingsbury, by the way, being a better coach and not having a team that falls apart. Well, late. let the great quarterback power grab experiment continue and proceed because you've got two factors here. One is a notoriously cheap underwhelming franchise and ownership group in the Bidwells in Arizona. And you've got another quarterback playing this game. It hasn't been so dangerous so far for guys not in their rookie contract, right, that have tried to play this game. But Kyler Murray, this is the interesting part in Pelissero's tweet. I'd, it would be a surprise if he plays on this current deal. Yeah. Well, so other, other teams are paying attention. Who? Everybody's kind of all, well, okay. all the chairs have, have well, here's the thing. been the, removed we've, from we've musical chairs. We've also been right? asking why is Baker Mayfield in such limbo? Baker Mayfield is the, I think, him and Jimmy Garoppolo both currently in limbo. Are there some teams monitoring this situation first? But who's in dire need outside of Carolina, which is stuck with Darnold's contract, and Seattle, which is in a very much a rebuild mode? You think Kyler Murray would rather be in Seattle than in Arizona? I think Kyler Murray wants to be wherever will pay him. He doesn't care. I mean, if Carolina or Seattle says, we'll sign you to a long-term contract also, we believe in you. He would gladly go play for one of those Same teams. Same division's a problem there. So the most needy teams in your division, who's the second most needy but team? Here's, Carolina. But After that, who's, who's super needy? You can also say, look, these are the rules of the league. You know, you can hate them all you want if you're the Cardinals right. and say, but you, you show up and play. Or tough break. You, you sit. I mean, he's not going to play under that contract, so they, they're, they're right. just going to let him. I mean, I And don't holding know. out isn't what it used to be, Chad, because you get huge prescribed fines that are not for, can't be forgiven anymore. So he can't sit out a bunch of weeks and then they say, oh, well, we'll just give you that money back as we reach this deal. It doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah, so will he call so them he doesn't on have bluff. that much hand. Well, will the Cardinals call Kyler Murray on his bluff? I think so. What's there? How up? committed is Kyler Murray to actually sitting out? Uh, certainly a situation to monitor. And as Tom Pelissero says, there are multiple NFL teams monitoring the situation with Kyler No Murray. accident with this timing. The draft's, what, three weeks from today? Yep. That, that's what there. they're trying to do, stir it up with somebody that's going to draft a quarterback and make the Cardinals draft a quarterback. But I don't think they've got a lot of power here. Well, quick note, um, I wanted to bring this up because it's an interesting predicament right now. So the Cleveland Cavs play Friday night. They lost their first play-in opportunity against Brooklyn. If they win Friday, they're in still. they are the eight seed going against Miami. But if they win on Friday because of a trade for Karis LeVert with Indiana, by winning, they forfeit their first-round pick because it would be a lottery pick. That lottery pick would go to Indiana, a team in their division. If they lose, they're, they're probably going to lose to Miami. If they so lose the game ninth. on Friday night, they get a lottery pick. So there's some debate from their fans about which is best. Playoff experience, even if it's a short playoff run with a young team or a lottery pick. It's a tough one. It, doesn't, it shows you how it doesn't fully take away 
here's a scenario that doesn't fully take away exactly what the NBA has looked to take away with the play-in tournament to take away uh, the, the – this isn't a full tank. Obviously, they're not at the bottom of the league, but they're still draft pick intrigue in the play-in tournament. Uh, this is a worst-case scenario for the league, kind of. Well, it's – I mean, I guess it's kind of – you could look at it as a win-win scenario. Yeah. If you're a Cleveland fan, hey, great if we win. But, hey, if we lose, also, we're not giving a division rival a lottery pick. It, by the way, it also just forfeits the next year. So they would have to miss the playoffs in consecutive years to completely lose the pick. basically screw the Pacers out of that lottery pick. They, um, then it goes to like second round picks in 2024 20, and 2025. How deep does lottery go? Eight? It's 12, 14. 14. So the 14 teams that don't make the playoffs yeah. are the lottery. The 14th pick in the NBA draft is no guarantee to be a great player for you. Once upon a time it was. Felt like it was. It's not anymore. Yeah, I think, though, for a team in their situation, it would be a huge help. You know, it could be a huge help um, for a team that's it. building. I, I hate even thinking about the possibility of not wanting to win to get in the playoffs, but that's where we are right now with Well, Cleveland. those guys on the floor aren't thinking about a draft pick tomorrow night. Paul, where we are with the NFL draft is a very uncertain first round. We're going to discuss with a topic when we come back. We're going to talk some NFL draft. That's coming up next. This is OutKick 360.